0: The everyone. Welcome back to the Lily Grace Lifestyle Podcast. As always, I'm here to bring you more value than you came here with. Today's guest is Paul Lenandowski. He is a well-known designer and architect in the main area and has learned so much throughout his life by continuing to iterate and design. We talk about how our passions stemmed from our upbringings and how he started to really get into design by watching a TV show similar to what I did when I was young and we literally talk about everything design, everything designer talk, and how to open your own firm. We cover it all, people, so stay tuned and I hope you find inspiration. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Lily Grace Lifestyle Podcast. Today I have Paul, he is a designer and I'm so honored to have him on my show. He's absolutely talented. I just love all of his designs and his fuchsia and magenta office that we're sitting in today. So thank you for coming on today.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah. And actually, this is one of the podcasts where we're actually recording in person. So that's really good, too. It's nice to see people (laughs) in real life. So to start off, can you tell us what defines your lifestyle?
1: What defines my lifestyle? That's a great question. Uh, For me, it's really about learning new things Mm. and trying new things with design, especially it's always, uh, I think you have to be a lifelong learner and you have to look at everything as a inspiration for what Mm. you could do. And sometimes you find inspiration in strange places and sometimes it's very common places, but you have to be open to seeing things. So, I've gone around the question now a few times. I think it's really what defines my lifestyle is probably about interesting things and uh, and learning.
0: Yeah. I really like that. And even on your Instagram and just looking around your office, I feel like you have such designery things I could just like point you out in a crowd because you have such a cool style. I just love it.
1: (laughs) Well, I I dream of being a minimalist, but I I love things so many. So I love things and beautiful objects and interesting objects that, uh, as you can see, we're surrounded by a lot of a lot of
0: things. <laughs> no, honestly, me too. I'm like trying to be more minimal, but I just love clothes and I love interesting objects and plants, just like you. So it's like hard, but it's fun this way.
1: <laughs> I know, I, and I like things that change. Like this, uh, obviously, your your listeners can't can't see it, but this orchid over here, the yellow oh. and brown one, I've had it now for four years, and it and I've been getting it to bloom through luck, I think, but. It's always a special time when it blooms because I love the flowers and the colors. And ah. as they age, the the blooms turn this really beautiful chestnut brown color, and then they eventually they drop off. So, but it's it's a process, and it it's always a special time when I see a bud coming out of the orchid because ah. it's it's been around me for a while and have it um, put out these sort of floral fireworks every now and then is really interesting
0: yeah it's really the little things honestly right yeah so that's so cool I love that answer can you tell us a little bit about your background and give us your intro for people who don't know you sure
1: uh so gee how far back do we want to go (laughs) uh I I am from Lewiston Maine which is a small uh, mill town Uh, My father actually was a hockey player from Buffalo, New York, who moved to Maine and met my mother. Uh, On my mother's side, uh, we were a French-Canadian family, Mm -hmm. so my grandparents emigrated from Canada. My grandmother worked in the textile industry, Mm -hmm. and my grandfather worked in the shoe industry, which were, when I was growing up, were very big in in Lewiston. So there was always a lot of things around my grandmother's house that I could play with and and get intrigued with. My grandmother also loved to cook and bake and she would let me do that with her. My grandfather used to make things like that were very interesting. Like I remember he, he had apple trees in his backyard and he created this cage on a stick so he could pick the apples up high. And and I was, he let me play around in his, in his garage with his tools and his, his like he had this manual drill and I don't know. It was always the, the two of them were, were very interesting to me. Uh, and a big part of my growing up, yeah. um, when I was in high school, I don't know how in depth we want to go here, but I, I, um, was in the drama club. I did all the sets for the drama club and I was also, uh, in all the art classes that they had. So, uh, I did a lot of, of sort of different things involving design and art. Uh, I knew I wanted to be an architect when I was in eighth grade, wow, um, yeah. from watching, uh, Believe not the old show, The Brady Bunch, because oh, the cool. father was an ar- architect and I was intrigued because he had models <laughs> and drawings, And yeah. uh, but I also was always creative and um, went off to Rensselaer Polytechnic where I went to school and got oh, okay. my Bachelor of Architecture degree and a minor in Studio Arts, so I, I kept my involvement in arts. Um, Another facet is my grandmother because she worked in textiles, always had sewing machines, and mm-hmm. she would let me use those so from a very early age, i think ten or eleven i was i learned how to use a sewing machine and I would make like a bed for my dog or i made, <laughs> I made a carrying bag for it we had a little dog at one point I made a carrying bag for it and then uh after college i i did i kept doing uh a lot of, of work in textiles in terms of I've made slip covers for old furniture that I bought because I wanted that's it to fun. look better. Um, I also, when I was young started doing uh macrame or rope knotting and I continued to do that through high school and college. And as, as you can see, and yeah. if your view, if your listeners could see, there's a lot of pieces here. I've been doing more lately, wow. but, um, that's, that's something else. Um, then graduated from college and, and started uh, working in architecture. And then uh, very soon after that got very involved with interiors as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I always say I have a degree in architecture, but I think of myself as more of a designer yeah. in my approach to a lot of things. Um, and then uh, we can flash forward to today where mm-hmm. I started my own practice about three years ago and we, do a lot of different things in terms of architecture, interiors, working both residentially and commercially. Uh, and we've done a lot of things with custom products, custom wall coverings, custom textiles that mm-hmm. we've done uh, doing a lot of work with digital printing and 3D printing now, trying to get into that. So yeah. the the whole idea of learning and lifelong learning continues as, we, uh, as the firm grows and I, I get a
0: I love that and I feel like you told us you've been so busy which is great Amy and I my boss think you are so talented and Amy's like you need to go meet Paul and the first time I met you I was like yep this is it like I love this job and I love meeting new people but you are super special and Back to the Brady Bunch. It's sure. so funny because when I was about nine or ten years old, I watched HGTV and I saw the designers. I know that's more decorating and kind of like flipping, but I got inspired and I was like, "Oh, I really want to be a designer." I just knew, um, and that kind of inspired the rest of my path. So I feel like we have that in common. And I think it's really interesting how your grandparents really influenced you at a very young age to start making and creating things.
1: Yeah, it was, and it was passive influence. I yeah. think they, they they're their livelihood was right. working in these, in these textile and, 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 mills basically. So they never had any formal education in design and, my, and they weren't doing a lot of design, but they were very creative. Yeah, And that, I think it was what I drew from, from that as well. My mother was also a very big supporter of, of my creativity. Uh, I've told this story many times, but in third grade, I was in the playground and she <laughs> came in and said, do you want to take art lessons? And I was like, absolutely I do I never thought this was a thing because I was in third grade and I had I you know that was the beginning of learning drawing and painting and and, you know more formal training and and uh when you know it's all I think it was just fantastic that my mother was able to see that in me and then find a way to support and uh, get me to to develop more as an artist as as a designer
0: Absolutely, and you went to school at Rensselaer. That's amazing. That's a really good school. And then, how would you make your way back to Maine? Did you start working out there? Or were you? I there?
1: so after I graduated from Rensselaer, I, I started working with uh, a couple of firms. Actually, I worked with three or four firms out in, in the General Albany and and a little bit in New York City as well. Mm-hmm. And I met my wife was from Chicago, and she had moved to the area, and we met and. And that's where we had settled that's where we had our daughter Ava mm-hmm. and we moved to Maine it's been 15 years now we moved back to Maine but okay. um moving back to Maine was an interesting thing we both my wife and I both lost our fathers within six months of each other Ugh. and we decided we should be closer to one of our families and there was an opportunity here for me at a local firm to, to become a design director for the firm and that was sort of the next step in my career mm-hmm. it was, uh, and that's what we did. We took in the, I took the, the, uh, the offer, and we moved here to back to Maine mm-hmm. um, to be closer to my family. Uh, but um, it's also Portland is such a fantastic place to live. Right. That we've enjoyed it here as well. So that brought us back to Maine. But our work, I mean, the, my work and the firm's work is is throughout New England and New York State. Mm-hmm. So we and actually we've done stuff further afield, um, and are always looking for other opportunities. So cool. we, the goal for this company is to be much more of a a regional firm than a than a local firm. Of course, yeah. you know we have to have aspirations. It's only been three years, three years but yeah. but have uh, come this far. yes, and we're starting to do some projects in New York State now, and, and wow. we've got projects in Maine, obviously in New Hampshire, and a, a small one in uh, Massachusetts, and uh, we have a small one in Vermont, and so we continue nice. to. To sort of spread out and look for opportunities.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, and um, I guess throughout your journey, other than your family, was there any specific designer, architect, or someone of influence to you who really was a role model?
1: There have been many, I'm actually. Sure. <laughs> uh, I, but there's about... There's, there's three or four uh, architects or designers that I think really influenced me a lot. Uh, when I was in school... It was an architect uh, who came as a guest uh, designer for a semester, named Sandro Marpedero. He was from v- uh, Venice and an office in New York as well. And that was the that was his class was the one where I discovered how to design and how to be open about it. Uh, because before I, I would get bogged down by so many things, and it wasn't about the pursuit of design. It was much right. more about what do they want and, and what are they, you know, what am I going to do? And and with his class. it was the fusion of art and architecture he's also someone he dressed impeccably well (laughs) and I would try to sneak a a peek at the label of his jacket when he put (laughs) it down on the table what he was wearing I remember he had this beautiful like black boucle wool biblos jacket that I was Uh. just like that is the best and he always dressed in black and he had this bright green green, briefcase and he became both an inspiration in terms of someone who opened me up to design but also an inspiration in terms of like being an architect and and you know expressing yourself through how you what you wore and right you know i was 17 18 no probably 1920 at the time but it was like he was really someone i don't think he even probably knows any of this or or i don't i think he's still practicing i don't know but uh he was one of these real inspirations for me Mm -hmm. and then after, shortly after I graduated from school, I worked for a, a firm of about 25 people in Troy, New York, where the school was. And we had partnered with um, Bolin-Swinski-Jackson. Uh, they're the firm that did the Apple Cube in New York and oh. Bill Gates' house. Wow. And I worked on a project pretty closely with Peter Bolin, who was uh, a huge influence on me, his approach to design. It's like I would work on 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 drawings, and I would show them to him, and we'd meet, and he would look at them with his with his. Um, I use the same pencil as him, his his black pencil, and he would he would change the the end of a of a roof detail and say, ah. "No, I think it should be like this," hmm. which meant I had to redo everything. <laughs> but I would be so frustrated. But when I looked at what he drew, I said, "You're you're absolutely right." Yeah, you know, it was like he he just had he uh, he still does. His work has been amazing, and and he was another person who taught me a lot about um how to again how to be a professional designer mm-hmm. but also how to work with clients and mm-hmm. how to to talk about your design so yeah. that you could communicate to people who weren't designers yeah as to what you were doing and he had a real playful approach to his work mm-hmm. and uh you know he had this uh, he loved looking at like common materials as many architects do but how yeah. could you reuse it and that was a whole a whole thing for me. So I, those are sort of early mentors for me that, hmm. uh, or influencers maybe yeah. is a better way of saying it. But I was really lucky to have crossed paths with both of those, uh, architects. Um, like I said, there's been, there's been others, but those two are, I think are really important to, yeah. uh, to my, uh, design life.
0: That's cool. And you're using the black pencil now. I do. I always have <laughs> pencils.
1: Are. um, When I uh, started the company, I was talking with a friend and we were talking about a design project and I said, it all starts with a sketch, Mm -hmm. which is our little tagline or whatever that we put on things now. But it's because a pencil is a way that you can quickly convey a message. I come from a generation where we had both computers and Mm -hmm. drafting in school. Uh, Sort of a weird time because after me, people don't really use a lot of... Pencils and mm-hmm. and before me, they're scared of computers. So <laughs> yeah. I also feel fortunate to be in that Gen X that is uh, good. generation. Um, not that other people can't learn how to use a pencil or learn how to use a computer. Right. You just have to have an interest. Mm-hmm. But the, the pencil is such a way of being able to to communicate and talk to people, and uh, that you know the type of pencil is great. I I, I have a, f- a friend of mine who worked with Peter Bowen after continue to work with him and he he said at some point that Peter changed brands to this Japanese pencil from Itoya I think was the company that makes them and you can't buy them here and, oh. and Peter went to Japan and bought some <laughs> brought some back and my friend gave me one or two of them cool. he was like you know these are the new pencils and, <laughs> the, and it's true the graphite is so smooth there's no grit when you draw it's almost oh, like a marker that's insane. Um, so so sketching and drawing is something that's important to me and it's a communication tool really mm. Uh, it's funny how all of that comes from just meeting someone who knew how to use a pencil and and you watch them and you learn from them without them they're not teaching you actively Mm -hmm. but you're learning from them uh, by watching and by um, understanding how what they do influences people Mm -hmm. and conveys their message
0: yeah huh those are some really interesting points and I think my studies at Wentworth, especially, like, I appreciate how freshman year, after you say all this, I appreciate how freshman year, we really worked with our hands. We did not touch any computer program, really, freshman mm-hmm. year. Um, we did a lot of painting and drawing and lots of pens and pencil work. So it was really um beneficial in that sense, because I feel like we got that technical side before we hopped into the right. computer side. So, huh, that's really interesting. The-
1: it's computers, pencils, clay, whatever you're using they're all tools mm-hmm. towards expressing your design ideas that you have, and you have to choose in your head which one makes sense. Sometimes, I think a good exercise is if you're if you're doing a project solely on the computer, yeah, like step aside and and sketch sketch the party, mm-hmm. you know in pencil on paper without looking at it. What's your memory of it as a way of, of contrasting what, what you've been working on and what you're thinking of and using multiple tools. I think, is helps you to understand a project more fully, Yeah. but they're all tools. They're all ways of expressing yourself. And that's, so I don't, I don't, I don't place a hierarchy on like, Oh, you don't yeah. use a pencil. or oh, You only <laughs> use computer. It's yeah. like, I've seen, I've seen people who do everything manually and it's beautiful and, and, sure. and others who do everything on a computer and it's equally beautiful. Mm. Um, it comes from the skill of, of using the tool, but also, creativity is within you it's just how you
0: express it yeah because one of my um older professors um he was like always start with a pencil in your sketchbook always be sketching so um senior year of high school leading up to my freshman year a few years ago i would always draw every single day because he was like it's so important to have that Uh, mind-to-hand kind Mm -hmm. of connection. So, yeah, that's really interesting. And here's the architect, too. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Very cool. And when it comes to designing your own firm, what are the biggest challenges, would you say? (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk business, because I love that, too. Let's (laughs) talk business.
1: I'd always wanted to start my own firm, and Mm -hmm. I I never seemingly had the courage to do it Mm -hmm. until three years ago. And the purpose of the firm is, is design. Yeah. I mean, architecture, interiors, products, uh, we, uh, we're doing graphics a little bit now. I mean, we're just yeah. really, we're open to doing anything as far as a creative process.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I love to do. But when you have a firm, there's a lot of things you also have to deal yeah. with, uh, billing, marketing, management, hiring, uh, growth of the firm, mm-hmm. long-term goals, but what I started with was knowing that I needed a sort of I call them my team of professionals. But it's really I hired a a lawyer, I hired an accountant, right. uh, I hired uh, uh, got insurance from folks, I mm-hmm. got a uh, financial planner, uh, you know, and did all the all the things that I are necessary for a firm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, a, a payroll company to right. to you know take care of making sure you know that. All of the fil all the government filings were done, and all of right. the tax filings and things. So, um, because those are important, but they're not the focus of what I want to do. Right. But, you know, as the firm grows, I hope that we can bring on staff who right. that's their passion. Uh, but right now, you have to do a lot of it. I have to, yourself. and one who's starting, you have to do a lot of it yourself. And it's just a matter of balancing things. And mm-hmm. uh, I used to, and I still try to, you know, not start the day with. Billing or Hmm. marketing, but start with something in design or, uh, because your energy, uh, my energy, I think for a lot of people is is best in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to take the best energy and put that towards design. And then, you know, midday when I'm kind of in a lala, like, okay, it's the end of the month. I should, I should do the billing. Right. So obviously you have to, because if you don't, then you don't get paid and (laughs) you can't do all the things you want.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: And then the other thing about, that that's developed and, and uh, <laughs> there's an analogy when you have uh, when when uh, when someone has like their first child, you're mm-hmm. learning on the job, yeah. right? If you've never had been a parent before, you're like, oh, okay, this is new. And I think having a firm is the same thing. You can plan and you can do a lot right. of research, but you learn things. And and one of the things that I've found to be really important that we we continually do is research mm-hmm. into a project type or a product it's something that obviously we're not getting paid to do, but mm-hmm. does very much benefit our work. Right. So right now we're doing restart. We've, we've just started, we've partnered with a, another, uh, another engineering company, and we're looking at designing some, um, sort of modular housing, multifamily housing yeah. as a, as a thought of, of how we can make it more sustainable and, uh, more cost effective. Huh, so, and also how, to look at tight spaces yeah. um, because th- th- there's been so much work in multifamily housing and there's yeah. some excellent work out there. But the process for us of looking at something that we've created at a, as a project without a client allows mm-hmm. us to, to, to brainstorm more right. and to think about innovative ways of doing things. And then after we have a, this complete, we, we hope to take it and talk to developers and builders and say, what do, you, what do you think of this uh, do you think there's any possibilities for this to, to move forward? well um, we did the same thing with, uh, um, when COVID started, we had a bit of a lull, as many yeah. people did. And then we were fortunate enough to get some work after that. But we started researching in uh, smaller single family homes. Okay. Like, how can we create a system that's more modular so that you can think about, um, I build a small house. It's maybe I'm single, and then I get married. How do I expand the house? Ah. Or I have an aging parent who moves in. Can yeah. I add a Can I add a wing? And we started looking at different ways of of, of how expansion could happen. Could you build enough equity in the house so that right. you had money to finance the addition after five or ten years? So it was kind of, uh, and we also looked at different. Um, different lifestyle choices or different lifestyles that people have in terms of single people, couple, couple with kids, couple, no kids. Um, but all in all, it's this, this research component that we try to make sure that we make time for. Um, it's very easy to get busy with projects that are paying the bills, which are important. But if you're not doing that, then I think it, 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 the research fuels growth yeah and the the kind of dialogue that we have we're three people here in the office now mm-hmm. um we have, we had actually two interns in the spring and we have one summer one and then we have um, andrew who's my partner in crime here who's uh, uh graduated from uh University of Maine nice. Augusta and joined the firm full time after being here part time oh, as an intern. So last uh right as COVID hit. Oh okay.
0: Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> but
1: uh it's been great having him here and we've been we bounce a lot of ideas off each other. I think we have different approaches to things, yeah. which is important because you get a dialogue.
0: Right. Huh. Um
1: so it's uh but that research is important, yeah. just getting back on top and, you know, I feel
0: like um, it kind of sounds like an outlet, in a sense, or like a passion project mm-hmm. to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of describing yeah, it. Yeah,
0: because I have certain things to, like, this podcast. Yeah. For instance, it's not necessarily my main job or what's bringing in the most income, but it is something that I'm really passionate about because I love networking and hearing people's stories. Like, I could not get this just right. from, like, a normal, like, hi, how are you? <laughs> so... Yeah, no, that's really cool. And then on the flip side, what is the most rewarding part of owning your own firm?
1: The freedom to choose direction. Yeah. Um if somebody comes to us and wants us to design something that's maybe a, we were we we have an ongoing project with some outdoor site furniture that we've been working on mm-hmm. with various uh different incarnations of it. Mm-hmm. But it's really been a lot of fun to work on that. And if working for someone else, it would be very difficult for somebody yeah. to say, okay, go ahead and, and do that. But I can look at the books and say, okay, we've mm-hmm. got enough work this month. We can get this done and we can spend this much time doing this project. That's more for long-term uh, right. benefit. Right. Yeah. So that freedom, that ability to decide if mm-hmm. we're going to do something or not, um, is really, is really important because, yeah. uh, because I can craft the firm the way I want it to be. What I was looking for was some way of, of having a company that was my own, where I could have the freedom that I just right. spoke of. And when I looked at things and I called a few people that had some projects, I had enough work to, uh, to start me out. Mm. And that's what I did. And at first I was in my, um, borrowing my wife's office at home. Uh, but then within three or four months, I had rented a small space in the building that we're in now. Yeah. And then within a year, we or a year and a half, we were renting uh, this bigger space. And yep. now here mm-hmm. we are at the point where I was just talking to you earlier about how we're moving into some uh, additional space that we had been subletting. So um, so things have been growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd always, I, I, I had i tried a few times in the past working with other companies about trying to start my own firm. And you look for work and sort of work on it at night. And, and I was very fortunate that things worked out very quickly. And I also, once I became, uh, not a free agent, but my own, <laughs> own, my own firm, I actually was contacted by a number of other companies that are architecture firms that hired me as a design consultant for larger oh, projects. So we've worked with four or five other firms now doing design work for projects from 200 million to <laughs> a million, you yeah. know, it's like we've, um. Uh, and and people that I had worked with in the past who now have their own firms, we've partnered up to that's do projects. Great. So again, that's part of the freedom of having your own firm. We mm-hmm. can choose to do that, or I can, I can choose to do that. That worked out really well and got us going. And during that time, we also found our own clients. And now we are. It's interesting. We're three years in, and uh, we're just starting to have projects that we've designed be completed and built, right. so we'll be able to start photographing and advertising, but up until now, Exciting. we've been sort of a word, word of mouth, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that there's people who've written books on on the life of a firm and how this works, but, huh. uh, but for us, it's been, and for me, it's been living that <laughs> that that path, and I, I can see it now where we are. It's like, okay, we're on the verge of being able to really showcase some of our own design work that we've done right. in, as, as Paul Designs Project. And That's really cool. And that'll be an exciting time. And we're we're almost there. Yeah.
0: That's so impressive because I didn't even really think about it that way that you've gotten this far with that many clients without really even starting to market like in that sense. Right. That's impressive. (laughs)
1: Uh, We've been very lucky. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I feel like I had, uh, a lot. you talked about loving networking and i love networking as well and, yeah. and meeting people because i love their stories yeah. and it's always interesting to hear what people are doing and because of that and because of the things that i was fortunate enough to do in my career like being a best of NiCon judge and mm-hmm. meeting designers from all these companies that were designing products and hearing their stories yeah. and uh and, and and other plant trips and, and yeah. going to to you know to learn about uh, different things and teaching and all yeah. these things that I've done have really um, just opened, just opened everything up.
0: Yeah, and your reputation precedes you, like as I said before, it's <laughs> right? just like so cool. <laughs> but the
1: reputation also allowed word of mouth and allowed right. me to get a lot of of, um, of connections. And I found that it's you, the projects I, I got early and still, it's not from the people you know; it's from the people that know the people you know
0: exactly it's always
1: one step away That's if someone if someone saying. you know recommends you and then a relationship is yeah built. Oh.
0: i noticed that too recently because with this podcast it's so funny like Even, like, the closest people to me, like, even my sister, my boyfriend, my closest friends don't really listen to my podcast, but it's the people who I haven't really talked to but know me through someone else who are like, oh, my gosh, your podcast is so cool, and I'm like, oh, thanks, I didn't even know you, like, cared about me. Like, (laughs) it's just so funny how that works out because I feel like the people in our lives that are so close to us just are so used to us, so they're like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well,
1: they support us, and and they're there, but they're there for uh, day by day of of our life, and it's hard to, when someone who know someone you know, see, sees your work or or, yeah. or or sees what you're doing in a creative aspect, it's um, it's fresh. Yeah, it's you're right. Um, and mm-hmm. then, uh, and I think everyone loves to, um, it always feels good when you can help someone else. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, 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 agree. I believe in the, in the benevolence of humanity mm-hmm. and that, you know, when you see someone who's really talented, you want to help them and say, oh, well, this person needs this person, yes. I'm going to connect them and then. I think that's something you can feel good about, connecting people. To Absolutely. Because to, to, it helps everyone, right? Yeah. your And uh, makes you bigger than yourself.
0: Exactly. And that's why I think I like this job. Because when I was debating whether I want to work at a big design firm or kind of go to the sales rep side, which I wasn't really planning on, mm-hmm. I was like thinking what I really enjoyed to do and what gave me the best life. And um, mm-hmm. my aunt was looking for a house and I was working with a real estate agent at the time doing staging and I like connected them and that made me feel so good for the strangest right. reasons. But yeah. I was like, this is what I want to do because I love like helping people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, that's really uh, it. It's, I think it's really easy to find fulfillment from that. Yeah. Personal fulfillment, yeah. which is a big part of, I think, a, a
0: positive life. Yeah, totally. That's a really good way to put it. Um, yeah, so just in general, what type of work is your favorite to do? Like, what type of project are you just so excited to get?
1: Um, that's also, you, these are great questions. Oh, you nice. have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love design. Actually, I think I can find uh, something exciting about any design project, but, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't really answer your question. I am, I love uh, single family homes, mm-hmm. um, partly because it's meeting uh, an individual or a couple and mm-hmm. getting to know them and designing for them. It's a very intimate process. Right. Um, and you, there's a lot of opportunity for custom work and yeah. for sort of, uh, innovative design work. We've also been doing a lot of performing arts, uh, centers yeah, lately and so that's been um and I say that like we're doing major concert halls we're doing some some nice size projects and some smaller ones as well but mm-hmm. I, I've enjoyed that um I you know design is such a I think design that excites me is when there are problems to solve yeah and you can get into solving them and sort of geek out on either yeah. it's a detail or a material or a color mm-hmm. or solving someone's problem that they need solved. Or I mean, those are the ones that are the most engaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, today I'm working on some foundation uh, details, <laughs> but I'm just geeking out on the details because yeah. it's like this is going to line up and there's organization. <laughs> so, yeah. so you, I think I can find the joy in anything. I love working with uh, someone. A client who's very interesting and interested in something special, yeah. Whether it's commercial or residential or whatever, or even product, it's really mm-hmm. about uh, designing. It's about engagement. It's yeah. about designing with a sense of engagement. And and when the client's engaged, and and I can get engaged, it's a lot of fun. I, mean, I, I you know I hear stories of people who have, have these wealthy clients who are like, just design it for me,
0: right?
1: Which I'm sure is a lot of fun. But if there's no, I mean. It's not a dialogue. It's yeah. not a discussion. I always say architecture and design is not is a team. It is a team sport. It's not a solo like sport. So mm-hmm. you have to. There's always about the connections that you make with the client, with the the, the people building it, uh, with the, the consultants that you might have in the project, like a structural engineer or, or acoustic engineers. If it's perform, performing arts, you know, all of those things are uh, are interesting. As a as a designer, when you work for someone, you. You have to sort of learn about what they do, and learning about what they do is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's like you don't, you don't, uh, you don't become a doctor, but you understand the life of a doctor. Yeah. Like we have one client now who's a, a, a trauma room surgeon, mm-hmm. and um, she's often off. We can't get in contact with her because she's in surgery. And, you know, and I look at her life and it's like, Crazy. you know, one week on, one week off. And I'm like, this is just so different than, mm-hmm. than they have a pretty much, yeah. you know, Monday through Friday and, and, you know, sometimes the weekends, but, um, but learning about someone's life and then trying to design for them is very exciting.
0: Yeah, I agree. Huh? That's so interesting. I feel like it's just the human aspects that really get us excited about design. And I guess in general, how has design changed your life?
1: design has kept me a lifelong learner yeah it's it's something that has caused me to to try new things uh to you know uh, be open to you know to to doing things to um to not being scared of things but having the courage to try to try them yeah that's that's design sort of brings that
0: I love that. And then how can design change other people's lives if they don't, if they are not really familiar with it?
1: So I have, this is actually a theory that, that for my, well, not a theory of mine, but just thinking about design very early in my career, it was sort of like there are, the vast majority of people are going to see something and if it's well designed, it will just function and they might not even notice it.
0: Oh okay yeah it,
1: because it just isn't it isn't a bother it isn't a nuisance it's like huh. when there's when the handle to a drawer is in the right place and mm-hmm. you reach and you open it you don't have to think oh i can never open this drawer it's just yeah. you open it but you don't think oh that is designed well so therefore <laughs> i can use it no but when it's wrong it you notice it so good design is easy mm-hmm. that's that's the first level and i think of it as levels and then you get people who are more interested in another level of design who might actually notice that oh that handle is perfect to grab. When I grab it, it's the right size and I open the drawer and then they might notice that, oh, and the drawer closes softly and Mm -hmm. that's, it doesn't slam. Somebody thought about that, you know, and then the same thing with being in a building, right? Someone walks in, if they know where to go without having to see a sign, if it's obvious, that's good design. And someone may not notice that, but if they do, that's great. Um, And then you get into more and more like someone might notice um, deeper elements of the design. Uh, So I was raised Catholic Mm -hmm. uh, and I do have an affinity for all of these like 1960s Catholic architecture with the blonde brick and the turquoise and the brass. And like it was sort of very, you know, mod nouveau kind of design in churches and things. Yeah.
0: um,
1: But when I studied as a student, I studied in Rome and obviously churches in Rome are really about, you know, the the geometry of the plan and and all of the classical architecture and how it's based on proportion and order. But what's in there is this embedded sense of, of thought and science and math in the design. And you can experience it as just like, this is a beautiful space. Or you can start to say the proportions of that column are perfect based on the golden section Mm -hmm. but that's not that's not the sort of first level of understanding it that's a deeper level so i think for me with design it's it's for other people it's like if they can walk into a building i've designed and at least it doesn't if it feels comfortable that's great i would love them to sort of i always like to try to put something in my projects that's sort of I call a positive distraction something that might you might notice but you might smile or it might be something that's a little whimsical or something like
0: your artwork well right (laughs) it's like
1: you come in and it's like yes we're in we're in a rectangular room but there's there's this piece that's so intriguing that for a moment you look at it and you start to think of something else In, in healthcare design we talk a lot about positive distraction and making taking away for a moment the stress that someone might have if they're Mm. in a healthcare situation, whether it's themselves or, or a loved one. Yeah. But I think that applies to so much of design, which is really how can you make something delightful Mm. for people? Yeah. um, If they, if they're open to it or otherwise just do no harm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's such an interesting way to think about it. And I think before I went to college, I I liked spaces and I thought I knew what design was, but after I feel like I just noticed the littlest things in a right. space or in life. And it's just so interesting how it opens your eyes. And like, even after this podcast, I right. was like, wow, this is so well, inspiring.
1: You said yourself that you liked to, when you, when you were younger, you watched HGTV shows, right. which I think have opened a lot of people's eyes to design. Yes. But what you just said also is very indicative of what a, what a, uh, degree and study in design can bring it's a deeper understanding of design. The, mm-hmm. the shows on television are great; they make people appreciate it, but they're it's it's not it's a very superficial level, and yeah. and that's that's great because right. not everyone is going to become a designer <laughs> or a firefighter or you know or yeah. an emergency room technician or whatever. It's like we have our passions, yeah. but um, for someone like you uh, who is interested in design and has has a degree in design that knowledge allows you the deeper understanding yeah. and that deeper understanding connects you to what other designers are doing.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really nice way to put it too, because I feel like a lot of people my age are so anti-HGTV because they're like, we're designers, we're not decorators. And it's like that whole thing. But I think the way you stated that is perfect.
1: You can find the positive and negative (laughs) in anything. I I kind of would agree with a lot of the designers (laughs) on HGTV, but at the same time I have clients who have an appreciation for materials and finishes that I don't have to expose them. They know them. They come to me with saying, we want a leathered finish on the stone countertop because it's beautiful and we've seen it on television. And (laughs) and then we get a sample and like, yes, it is lovely. And, and you know, it's, there's a, there's a deeper appreciation of, of design in that sense. I mean, it's like you think about the classic pieces of furniture, that you right. know from the mid-century pieces from Eames and and uh, the Eameses and and Eero um, Saarinen and and those pieces, you can look at them as uh, as a designer and say, oh, that's a really beautiful design. Right. But you also have to think about the technology shift that happened. Yes. The yeah. the the plywood chair that that Charles and Ray Ames designed is. Um, is all about the technology of working with plywood and lamination that was coming out at the time they designed the chair. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting because, yes, it's a beautiful chair, but there's more. And I think the HGTV folks, if we're (laughs) going to call them that, are basically sort of, um, they like it because it's a beautiful piece. There's the creators and then there's the aggregators, the people (laughs) who are the Pinterest folks who (laughs) <laughs> click on what they like and create a page and that's the vision board thing is great and mm-hmm. i think it's a great uh dialogue tool but i i what i wish for those people is uh, for people who like doing that is to 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 focus more on the what's beneath
0: right. that level of photos. Like why
1: do you like it what is about it learn more about yeah. that piece and you may like it more or you may not like it anymore, but that's okay. You're you're learning more about all of the thinking that we as designers are putting into our projects that, yeah. like I said, many people don't <laughs> even see. But right. that's okay. It's about what we want. And if you can get one person to appreciate your work, then that's a great thing. And I I, yeah. I have a, a, a small story with that. I, I designed a um, a. One of the first projects when I moved back to Maine was designing a recreation center for uh, a private school in in Western Maine. And three tennis courts inside a big shed, big metal building, (laughs) metal siding on it. And I said, well, we can't just put up a big metal box. That's kind of boring. And the athletic director is also the math teacher at the school. so. I uh, we I talked to her about arranging the panels on the outside of the building in the sequence of pie. Oh. So three panels, one panels, four panels, one panel, five panels, nine panels, and on and on for 200 feet. Wow. Because the panels were one foot wide. Okay. They came in five or six colors. So this wasn't a real cost issue because we were able to do right. it economically. Yeah. And the math teacher thought that was fantastic. And then we did so Euler's helpful. Constant on the other side because the headmaster was also a math teacher <laughs> and that was his favorite constant. Oh
0: my his gosh. Because math teachers
1: have their favorite constant. So that faced his house.
0: Oh, and uh,
1: And then we did the golden section and other things. But in any case, yeah. at, that year after designing it, the building was a big success and they asked me to come speak at their um, Honor Society That's Awards. That's amazing. And before I had a student come up to me And he said, the backside of the building, that's pie. (laughs) And I said, it sure is. (laughs) And that was a really, really special moment because, you know, he was that one, that one kid, that one guy that saw that pattern and figured it out.
0: Everyone else probably said, oh,
1: it's a stripy building. That's kind of cool. But he figured out that it was more than a stripy building. It was pie. And um, that's, those are the moments as a designer that I live for
0: yeah that's really great because I even say on this podcast show that um if I affect one person's life or inspire one person, that's all I really care about right so yeah
1: absolutely and you never know how you affect someone's exactly. life as a designer because it like I started today talking about my professor in college who probably has no clue how he affected me <laughs> and and opened me to a world of design totally. and it's okay it doesn't it, that's perfectly fine that he doesn't know. I should probably reach out to him at some point. Send and, him the show. <laughs> send the show. <laughs> yeah. But um, you have, we all, affect, as as designers, we affect people in positive ways more often than we think, mm. and I think that's part of why we need to keep striving to do better and better in what we do.
0: I love that. That is a great way to end. I feel like I learned so much. My mind is so open and inspired. And finally, can you please tell people where they can find your website or your...
1: Sure. Okay. Uh, So my website is uh, www.pauldesignsproject.com, all one word. So pauldesignsproject.com. I'm on Instagram uh, as P-R-L-S-K-I, where I usually post uh, images of some of my artwork and uh, just photos that I find interesting. Um, and, uh, there's contact information from me on the, on the website as well. Awesome. Um, if anyone wants an architect or interior designer, <laughs> that's where they can find me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This was so much fun. <laughs> this has been
1: a pleasure speaking with you. I always enjoy talking about design, but it's great to
0: speak with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening in. Hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed this episode. And if that inspired you, I would love if you shared on your social media platforms and tagged me at lilygrace underscore lifestyle on Instagram. Or you can visit my website at www.lilygraceyork.com to see my show notes and leave a review as well. I would love to hear your feedback, so please tell me everything and anything that you learned today. Stay classy, stay bossy, and stay listening.